Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. Greetings and salutations, everyone. Greetings and salutations. I told you I was going to throw it in there. Amber texted that to me the other day, and I was like, "Oh my god, that is how we're opening it's the happening. podcast." I'm glad you did. I I'm remember glad. things. So we are wrapping up Kids That Kill mm-hmm. week, and can I just say, not that I enjoy kid killers, but it's been super awesome to not be covering creepy white men that serial kill. We, we've had a lot. You especially have had a I lot know. of creepy white men. It's like people probably listen to our podcast and think that I have some weird affiliation for meth tucky type <laughs> creepy ass men. I don't. Well, we've broken away from those for a little while. We have. And our next couple of weeks even are going to be, we're going to do a, spe- a Mother's Day special where I took... I can't even say a deep dive. It was like immersed. I'm practically part of the family. You, you, yes. I've you like so much research. <laughs> moved in with the family. I have. I'm sitting on their couch. Yes. That's what it feels like for uh, our Mother's Day week cases. And then after that, I think we're still doing some some females. So I know on our Patreon, our bonus episode is going to be oh, a female yes. killer as yes. well. So we're trying to deviate a little bit and give you guys some variety. And we also did from the, the creepy white men, yeah, that had you sex can only take so many of them mothers as their childhood upbringing, and yeah, we need a break a from all of that. Of, I mean, yeah. there's plenty of them to be covered. There's a lot but out there. We needed a break, so unfortunately, the cases are still pretty tragic, right? And but our listeners are here because they're just as curious about it as we are. Absolutely. And fair mm-hmm. warning, we've been sipping a little wine tonight before we hit that record button yes we have i love that we're drinking mimosas now and it's like listen we ran out of wine okay we're not proud (laughs) we're doing this is survival mode it is (laughs) it's friday night we're doing what we've got to do it's been a long ass week it has i don't care if it's mimosas at 10 o'clock at night i will settle you get what you get and you don't throw exactly All right, what do you have for me? How are you going to traumatize me tonight, Amber? So the last Friday night recording was fucking creepy-ass scary ghost stories. So Yes. This case is, I know sometimes that we're selective about doing high-profile cases because they've been done, they've been discussed, you know, sure. we don't want to overdo. I mean, they haven't been done with a crime-curious swag, but You are still, correct. You know, we, try, we do tend to try to bring people more lesser-known things. Every once in a while, though, we cover a popular one. We do. You do. Have, do you have a well-known one tonight? So I do have one that was, you know, it did get a lot of media attention okay. a couple years ago. But you ever have those cases where they just stick with you when you hear oh, about yes. them? So yes. I remember hearing about this case years ago, and it just stuck with me because it's such a really tragic, unnecessary circumstance okay. that happened. So I felt like this one... You felt compelled... I felt compelled. ...to bring it to our listeners. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like one, one of the reasons is because we talk so much about, you know, mental health and... Mm-hmm. You know, most of our cases have something, some component of mental health. I would say all of them. Oh, yeah. All of them. I mean, you're not serial killing or killing, even if it's not a serial killer, killing in general because you're a functioning member of society. 
And so this one is no exception. There's, it's just a lot of um, mental health issues, hmm. you know, enmeshed with this case. Okay. So I thought, let's talk about well, it. for kid killers, you can't deny that there's mental health and underdeveloped sense of the world for happening. Sure. So who is this? You haven't told us. Any, you're dangling the bait. I am but you're, stringing you all along. You are, and I'm, <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm drinking my mimo- my 10 p.m. mimosa. <laughs> take, a, take a little sip. Okay. Um, so this is the case of Conrad Roy and Michelle Carter. I don't know it. I was going to say, I know that you're not familiar with this one because we kind of talked about it, which is what sparked <laughs> me to like, you Maybe know. I remembered it two glasses ago. I'm not <laughs> sure, but I don't remember it <laughs> At now. At this point, you do not. <laughs> I presented this already. Like, where were you? No, I'm just kidding. So I want to start off by saying that if you're not familiar with them, Conrad Roy is the victim in this case. Okay. Michelle Carter did not kill him. I want to make that okay. known from the beginning. She did not physically you know, cause him harm. She was not present when he died. Now I know what we're talking about. Oh my God. Is it all coming back to you? Yes. It's all coming back. Coming back to me yes. now. Celine was appropriate for that. <laughs> Our listeners may not think so. They're maybe not. Like, what the fuck Or maybe that? Re- record deal. <laughs> 2021. No. Um, so do you, are you kind of yeah, now familiar I'm remembering now? what we're talking about? Okay. Yeah. And this is why we drink. And this is why we drink. So like I said, Michelle did not physically commit this murder, but right. she has a crucial part in this whole case mm-hmm. and everything that happened. And what year was this? So this was 2014. Um, okay. Conrad <laughs> Roy took his own life and it was July 13th of 2014 he was just 18 years mm. old when this happened. It was a suicide, but like I said, there's so many layers to this and what happened, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about all of that. Yeah, I'm intrigued because I know the end result, but I do yeah. not know the nitty-gritty. Yeah, I figured I'd throw out the end result. I mean, some people may not know about this case, but, I mean, ultimately it ends in, in a suicide. Right. So we're going to revisit all of the events and talk about the relationship between Michelle and Conrad, but I want to, of course, talk to you about the background. Sure. And uh, with both a little of bit them. about Conrad. And, yeah. Oh, okay. Conrad Roy was born September 25th of 1995. He lived in Mattapoisett, Massachusetts. Okay. He, from everything that I have seen growing up, he was a, he was a great kid. He was somewhat close to his family and he helped with his father's business they had a um, business called Tucker Roy Marine Towing and Salvage, Inc. Oh. I'm not going to pretend I know what that means. I'm going to say, I think I know what that means. Ooh, okay. So if they did marine towing okay. and salvage, so that's boats. That is what I gathered because there's a lot of pictures of Conrad on boats. Yeah, um, yeah. so they, they worked probably at a marina and they towed boats that broke down, okay. probably yep. worked on them, and then... You know, when they're no longer worth anything, they salvaged them and okay, yeah, did that. That makes sense because, like I said, I mean, it was something with boats, obviously. Mm-hmm. So in the spring of 2014, Conrad had actually earned his captain's license, oh, so wow. he could help out more with driving the boat. Yeah, my impression is that he was going to stay around and help with the family business for a while. Mm-hmm. Conrad graduated high school on the honor roll from Rochester Regional High School. That was in Madam. 
metapoiset. I can't mm-hmm. remember how to say it. I'm sorry, guys. I think you're slaying I'm it. Trying. Good job. I'm trying. You're nailing it, girl. But he actually graduated with a GPA of 3.88. Okay, so, so he's he got was smart, smart, too. Yeah, he was really smart. He was an all-around high school athlete. Wow. And he had gotten accepted into Fitchburg State University, but he decided not to go. And I don't know if that had something to do with the business or sure. mental health issues in general, because we're going to mm-hmm. get into that, too. He had a lot going for him. He did. He had he had a lot of potential. And it sounds like he was a really good kid. Mm-hmm. Seeing pictures of him, too, which we'll post, like, he just looks like a genuine boy next door type of yeah, kid. Yeah, all-American kid. Yeah, he really just has a sweet look to him. Aw. The downside of this case is that Conrad really struggled with mental health issues, and so he has always been described as an anxious kid from... Okay. Really young childhood. Yeah. He was very anxious, in, especially in school. It sounds like anxiety was a big part of his life, a big struggle, mm-hmm. and it had a, a big hold on him. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Absolutely. And I know just working with people, mm-hmm. I mean, it really can affect your entire Yeah. Being. It's paralyzing. Yes. Absolutely. I was just going to say that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it sounds like this was a huge problem for him. Around 2012, Conrad's parents went through a really nasty divorce. Mm. And it sounds like that was kind of even more of a decline for him. Sure. He already had the anxiety going on. Did not help his anxiety at all. Right. And so it sounds like this divorce was... I'm not blaming them at all. I mean, you know, it is what it is, but it it, it can send that into overdrive for kids with already having anxiety. And I am going to say, I mean, it does sound like this... Divorce was like, it sometimes was physically violent. I mean, oh. it was nasty. Okay. It sounds like it was nasty. He was present mm. for some of that and witnessed Ugh. the fighting. And yeah. so, like you Not said. Not helping anything. I mean, we know kids in domestic violence, yep. I mean, they are high high anxiety. Yep. So I don't think that this helped his anxiety in any way. No. He really started to become more depressed after that divorce. Sure. He also had troubles with his father some information that I came across, I do question the extent of abuse or violence going on in the home. That high anxiety as a kid and mm-hmm. you're you're seeing domestic violence. Right. You know, you just kind of wonder. Yeah. I mean, there is mention of it in the trial, too, that there, okay. was, there was quite a bit of um, domestic violence going on. And a lot so, of times there's, there's a body of or- origin yes. for yep. that. There was actually a domestic dispute between Conrad and his father mm-hmm. and... Conrad ended up calling the police on, on, on that day. Dad. And this was this one was actually just five months before Conrad does take his life. Okay. That had to have been very hard for him to do. Absolutely. It's it's actually I'm gonna read the statement that he gave to the police when they came. Mm-hmm. It's just it's sad. This is what he wrote on the police report. Or he was quoted, I'm sorry. He said, I told Dad I would put the pan of mac and cheese away after a commercial from the basketball game. He said, No, do it now. I said, no, I'll do it after the commercial. He punched me repeatedly, pinned me down. I couldn't get up. Five to ten punches to the face. His girlfriend said I was a piece of shit. I got up and I went to the neighbors. Oh, my God. Over some, some fucking macaroni mac and cheese. and cheese. Like, oh, I'll put it away in the commercial. Which after is the a, commercial. Is, isn't a re- is a reasonable thing. I'm watching the basketball game. Why can I not? Like, the way parents pick fights with their kids over power and control like this makes exactly. me sick. Power and control. Like, even if you didn't feel that was reasonable, mm-hmm. is it worth beating your child? No. Even if he said it with attitude, like, 
I'll take care of it at a commercial, Mm -hmm. which, okay, I've got four teenage boys. That would piss me off. I'm probably just going to pause the TV and say, how about you do it now? Right. And don't ever talk to me like that again. But the physical violence, Mm -hmm. I mean, if this is legit true that what Conrad said was true, which why would he call the police? And and sorry, but this wasn't the first time that this has happened. That's exactly what I was going to say. This is not, it does make me question Mm -hmm. the extent of the violence. I can see why. His dad actually does address the fight in an HBO documentary that I watched. Okay. It's called I Love You, Now Die. Makes sense. It is very fitting for this Mm -hmm. case. So his dad actually stated that he would do it again. It was a, you know, fight between them. And he he basically indicated, like, all kids have those moments where they learn that they're not going to do that to their parents again type thing. And it was almost like in a laughing, lighthearted way. And I actually watched that before I saw the statement. Okay. Because that wasn't in the police or the documentary. documentary. But then when I saw this, I was like... Wow. Wow. You're yeah. downplaying that so much. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was kind of I would do that again. There comes a point in time in every kid's life where you have to punch them. Mm-hmm. I right. don't think so. I've never punched my children and never planned to. So it it really did kind of get me questioning things like I said, I don't know for sure. There's no facts out there that say that he had extensive abuse, but it is brought up in court and it is speculated that there was some And we have this statement that is written by this this person. All right, all right. You know, I'm just, not loving dad. I'm not loving, you know, the, the dynamic. And they don't cover that a lot in the documentary. It's brought up in bits and pieces. But right, I but think that's there was not more the, to it. That's not the focus of what happened. So that's probably why. But right. you and I both know that that's where childhood trauma is where a lot of mental health issues stem from. We've seen it time and time again as we cover all of our creepy serial killer cases who have had terrible childhoods. Yes. So, yep. And the defense actually does mention frequent domestic violence mm-hmm. in court. Just a month before Conrad died, he actually posted a video to social media. And actually, I take that back. I don't know that he posted it, but he did record it. Um, oh, okay. So I don't I don't know that he actually put it out there for people to see or if it was just released after he died because they okay, found it. Okay, sure, sure. But he did record this video of him talking about how much pain he was in, oh. how he was hurting so much, depressed. Oh. And he talked about how much his anxiety had really just taken over his life. Overwhelmed him. And, you know, he felt like there was something deeply wrong with him. But then there's also this piece of him like fighting, like trying, trying he says, to survive. He says, if I get, if I just keep talking, it's going to get better. So there's like this, there's a little bit of fight in there mm-hmm. and it, it breaks your heart. I'm not even going to lie. You know, we do have an innate, an innate sense of survival built into us. And it's that constant conflict between the two when mm-hmm. someone gets into such a depressive state. Yes. And hold on to that because oh, that's okay. going to be important. <laughs> In, in the later on in this, because I think it, it comes into play when he's, you know, struggling, really struggling. Okay. Yeah. But I do, I get a sense of like, I'm, I'm hurting, but I'm, I'm trying. But I don't want to give up. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. So it, it is, it's a sad video. It's a very honest video. Yeah. Um, raw. Very raw. Yes. Conrad's parents both indicate that they really didn't have an idea of how much Conrad was struggling prior to his suicide. Okay. Conrad attempted to kill himself a total of four times prior to him being successful. Wow. Didn't know about the four times? 
They did. They give. They give some indication that they knew he was struggling. That he was not depressed. Point. Not to the point of completing suicide. Yes, that's the impression I get from watching the documentary. That like they knew he was struggling, but they didn't know how severe it was. Okay, what were his methods? The only one that I found for sure was that he overdosed on acetaminophen. Okay. And the other ones I'm not entirely sure, but I know that he did various Google searches about how to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. This was something that he was actively pursuing. S- yeah, seeking and out. So it sounds like the parents were kind of oblivious to that. Well, you had said at the beginning that he was fairly close with his family. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I'm just kind of picturing, I am not picturing a, a super close-knit, I'm, I'm picturing turmoil and I am picturing struggles uh, in the family dynamics, I think, and some heartbreak, and yes, that puts barriers up between people. I think in hearing them all speak, and again, it's TV, you know, yeah. But you know. I think that there was love there for each other, sure, without of question. But definitely, the conflict was there as well, right? And it, so I do think that, and perhaps some distance. Yes, and I think after that divorce happened, that's right. when things kind of got ugly even yeah and more distant and harder for both of the parents to really keep a grasp on him Mm -hmm. as they're dealing with their own struggles yeah of course as well okay so and we we may never know all of the dark details of the family dynamic but I mean he was he was struggling yeah and he was struggling a great deal prior to to meeting Michelle Carter. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to paint that picture that he was already, he mm-hmm. was struggling. Before we get into the relationship between mm-hmm. the two of them, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Michelle as well. I always like a background picture. So Michelle Carter, she was a small town girl. Same girl. Living in a lonely world. Sure. <laughs> Sorry, I had to break the journey out. <laughs> no, so she... Living in a lonely world. Nailed okay. it. Nailed it. <laughs> um, so she she was from a very small town of Plainville, Massachusetts. It sounds boring. It's you just said Plainville. Pl- Could you think of a, a more boring name? It for might a as town? well just be We Suck Massachusetts. Yeah, we're, I'm just kidding. There's Massachusetts, nothing I don't here. Know, but. Right, right. No, nothing. It's like our town. Barron, Massachusetts. I can't remember how many... People our town has, but this town had like eight thousand. Oh, we have more than that. Yeah. Okay, so it's a, it's a oh okay. We have a, we have a lot more than you. Th- well, in the whole county, not our actual little t- our our actual town. That's right. the county. Okay, yeah, yeah kind of like it's still small. Along our yeah, it's a it, it's everyone a small one. knows everyone else's business. So <laughs> that that they do to the outside community. Michelle was very well behaved. She did very well academically. She was seen as that kind of all-American sweetheart type of girl. Mm -hmm. She didn't cause any problems. There was no behaviors. She was a good kid. And her parents, they were, from what I found, they were normal, hardworking, suburban parents. an American family. Mm -hmm. And her parents have actually actively stayed out of the media. They haven't haven't talked about anything. I don't Um, blame them. I don't either. I really don't. I just think that opens up a lot of other doors. Yeah. There's nothing. stress and drama that they don't need. Absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine going through what they did, but they they don't comment on anything. I haven't found anything that they actually Mm -hmm. were willing to speak on. Gave an in-depth interview Mm -hmm. with. So despite that image to the outside world, Michelle also had a lot of uh, struggles of her own. Oh. She, She didn't have many close friends. 
And even in the trial, which we'll get to shortly, some of the girls that Michelle tried to be friends with, they actually testified in court that they weren't really close friends with her, despite Michelle constantly Thinking texting they them. Were. Yeah, she was oh. one of one of those girls that was like really desperate for for love and to be accepted. And needy, very, needy is exactly how they describe her. Oh. Actually. And so constantly just, are you mad at me? Do you hate me? Yeah. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. And so the girls were kind of like, eh, you're a little too much. Yep. You're a little right. too much. You're too much. They kind of indicate that in testimony. It depicts how lonely she was and how. Yeah, I was just going to say, here she thinks those girls are her really close friends. And they, they're like, they're mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, no. Yeah. Like, we'll be nice to you, but no. Right. You know. That would be hard to hear. That's, that's the vibe that I. That I get. There's actually some text messages that they exhibit in court that really p- portrayed the neediness. So Michelle, like Conrad, she also had mental health issues. She suffered from a significant eating disorder. Oh. And there's reports that she had gotten into cutting herself a little okay. bit. I'm not sure to what extent that was. She she felt really alone. And, and that's the impression I get when, when I read some of the stuff that, that she went through. She actually confided in one of the one of the friends that she had attempted to commit suicide as well oh. on one occasion. One of the air quote friends. Yeah, that's kind of, mm-hmm. it's like when you, we talk about her friends, it's kind of. Yeah, like comes I, with that. Yes. She had actually said that she had stepped into her closet with a noose hanging up and she oh, was shit. going to like actually hang herself. And, oh. and she she actually told her friend like. She was disappointed because she was too scared to do it, and but she couldn't go through with it. So we have some really significant... Thank God that she couldn't because her parents... Oh, my God. I can't imagine. I can't. To paint this picture, I mean, we have two yeah. teenagers that were Are severely suffering. depressed. Mm-hmm. Their mental health issues. This will later come up in court, but both teens were on men- medication as well. Okay. Conrad Roy was on Celexa and... Cytolopram. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I have no clue. Um, but that does have a warning on it that suicidal thoughts can occur, okay. especially yeah. under the age of 24. Oh, and so he he had also been in therapy for some time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. It's yeah, like like he His was parents were trying. Yeah, they, they were know. all trying. Right, it sounded like Michelle Carter had been prescribed Prozac by her doctor at the age of 14. And then she had actually switched to Selexa Mm -hmm. just a little bit before Conrad's suicide. Okay. So there was a med change. Again, those things will come up. They do come up in court. Yeah, I would would expect so. Mm -hmm. Because that'd be like, was she also 18? She was 17. She was 17. Okay, so that's (laughs) three years on Prozac and then going to... Yep, switching. Okay. To another med. So let's talk about their relationship. Yeah. Shall we? We shall. Shall we? That's why we're all here. (laughs) I don't know why we're talking like this. I don't either, but it feels nice. (laughs) (laughs) Feels right for the time. So the two of them met in Florida around 2012. The Massachusetts? The Massachusetts. What do you guys call yourselves? Please tweet us and let us know. Drop drop us a message and and let us know. I want to know. Because Massachusetts sounds Correct, it but does. I don't think it is. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, I do love their accents. Though. Yeah, me too. Me it's, too. it's just exciting it's to lovely. me. It is. But So the two of them met in Florida, okay. 2012. Their families actually had vacation homes next to each other. No shit. Which, ironically, they don't live too far away from each other in their hometowns. Oh, but no. But I guess they, you know, they didn't know that, but they... 
actually crazy. Were, yeah, they were introduced to each other in Florida. Okay, they did grow quite fond of each other. Sure, sure. Um, but it's just that, two teenagers. Well, yep they they do that's proximity what they do. is everything. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> but they actually. So this is an interesting little snippet. They only saw each other a, just a very few times in person. In person. So, yeah. and they, they only lived about 35 miles away from each other. Wow. But they only see each other maybe five times throughout the course of this relationship. Wow. That's not long. Like, you can't get anywhere in our town without driving 35 miles. Right. To get to something it's worthwhile. Not, yeah, it's not that far. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's a really bizarre situation because most of this relationship is based on text. Texting. It is all text. And it's, it's unique oh, because... You youngins. Yeah, the kids these days, yeah. like the whole relationship is laid out yeah. in text. I, you know, there's a reason I was born in the era that I was. I need a warm body to talk to. Right. It does talk about um, in the text, in the text that they exchange, there's attempts to meet, but they would fizzle out or one would cancel. Mm. So like they oh. would talk about it and they just never really would actually meet up. Preferred their texting. So this really was kind of like this fantasy type relationship yes just messaging they they would message each other all day yeah um and so they were constantly texting there was tons of texts that detectives had to sift through oh Oh, i'm sure so many imagine i mean don't get me wrong there's sometimes that i send a saucy text to my husband who's in the same room as me because there's young ears and puppy ears but you know but yeah just to think about that the whole relationship is based on text and it had such an influence on both of them. And there's so much of that these days. It, it, yes. I actually noted generation. that too. It's like, it's not an uncommon oh. thing. It's not, no. And I just made a sound old as fuck, yes. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. We're not. We're young and hip over here at Craig Curious. No matter what anybody says about <laughs> yeah, us. We still got it. No matter what we say about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> So the couple formed an intimate relationship via text. Via text. <laughs> oh, and yeah. it was, I would say for lack of better words, it was complicated. The two of them confided a lot of things in each other. So they talked about their mental health issues together. I think that kind of brought them together because yeah. they were both struggling. And I can see the appeal of how much easier it is to say that over text message rather than face to face. Yep, looking at someone and saying those things. Yeah. So it was kind of like this dark outlet for both of them. Mm-hmm. The conversations do get dark at times. Yeah. Where there was one where Conrad talks about seeing the devil and Michelle's oh. like, I saw him too. And oh. so they're kind of like, maybe we were meant to be together, damn to hell, and like that kind of stuff. So okay. they would. It would get dark. That is a deeply dark it's, place. It's deep. That is not like our text messages. No. We're funnier in text. We, we are really think. funny. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our text messages are golden. They should be shared with the world, I they think, should. sometimes. There's actually times, too, that Conrad is not so nice to Michelle. Oh. So there's, it's just a really interesting dynamic because there's love there. There's like There's a lot of loving messages but then there's times too where he is just downright mean to her calling her names no kidding fuck you um you know so there's this toxic banter between the two of them and she would kind of feed into that as well like there's texts where they're just calling each other names back and forth um i didn't know that okay 
I, You're teaching me a lot that I did not realize. I, about I learned this case. a lot of about this too because I did follow this case when it came out, but I didn't know as much yeah. about it. You know, the general media compared to the deep dives mm-hmm. that we do are very different mm-hmm. sometimes. And I'm not saying that Conrad was a bad kid. It's yeah. just that those things weren't highlighted right, in the media. Right. And that's what's going on. But okay. so yeah, he was he was on both of, of their ends. They're calling each other names. They're yeah. having those. So they they had those moments, those relationship up and downs. Even though it's via text it's a message. Text. Yes, it was texting. But and like literally, I can shut my phone off and you go away. Yeah, and and so I think in the earlier stages of the relationship, Michelle also had this kind of fantasy about what the relationship should be like or what she wanted it to be like sure There's, i mean don't we all uh, if yeah i mean Jason teenage Momoa. girl no. uh, you know <laughs> right 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 chris pratt i mean oh i forgot about chris. Me. there's so um, many but michelle would text conrad like hey do you think we'll get married mm. you know that kind of stuff yeah. and his responses are just kind of cold sometimes oh. there was there was one little clip where she's like Am I your girlfriend? And he's like, I'm, you know, kind of just disregarding it. Mm-hmm. Like, what, why does it matter type of, you know, responses. So it wasn't all this, like, deep Rainbows love. and butterflies. Yeah. And there's also times where she would say that he was her boyfriend and he would be like, yeah, she's a friend. So there was some complications. Right. Yeah, he's like, yeah, we've seen each other four times, so. Right, and so when I was I doing know, maybe this. Maybe is he more realistic? Like, we were just having this conversation about my husband. Mm-hmm. Literally an hour ago upstairs, we were chatting, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to go watch some TV because you two talk too much. Yeah, he did say that. And <laughs> we those, do talk a lot. We do, and those were his words. And you're like, I love a person who can just be so honest like that. What Maybe Conrad was just basically like, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Like, I don't can know you. you. Be, yeah. Right. Can you be my girlfriend when we're just texting? And yeah. so when I was looking into things for this case, I honestly didn't know if they were actually together or not. Okay. Because or of that two information. two people that talk every day. But they do talk about being together too, especially towards the end. Well, and I mean, they're teenagers. And if we have teenage True. listeners, I'm not devaluing you at oh, all. No, it's been just, there. Yeah. And it's, it's a confusing hard time. You're right. It could just be the teenage Ugh. dynamic too, you know? It's, there's we're there's together, things we're not. that I don't miss about that. Oh, when people ask, like, if you could go back to any age, what would it be? For me, I don't think that it would be anything in my teen years. Ever. Talk about awkward and horrible haircuts. Or early 20s. No. It was a difficult that, time. Yeah. I just, you'd, I would rather go back to a time where my brain was fully developed, but I wasn't old yet. Yeah. So, like, give me 25. Like, give me my 18-year-old body. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But yeah, that goes without saying. Yeah. But the mind of my 28-year-old self. Yes. Yes. That would just be a great dynamic. But And the skin of when I was two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Give me no my, wrinkles. My two-year-old skin, my 18-year-old body, and my mind of a 28-year-old. I'm picturing you as like Perfect. a child. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking body with like a little. Yes, with the, the tightest, tauntest face ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Triple threat. That's right. <laughs> I got my mind, my skin, and my body. That's all oh I need. <laughs> so one thing that appears to be consistent throughout this texting relationship, Conrad was very depressed and, and he had suicidal ideations okay. the entire the time. whole time. He would talk a lot with Michelle about that and confide that he wanted 
to die. Mm-hmm. And, and they talk about this a lot. And it was painful for him to keep living. And, and so these messages come up very frequently throughout their texting relationship. In the earlier phases of the relationship, you do see messages from Michelle consoling him. Okay. Telling him he needs to get help. She'll help him. You know, don't do that. I would be lost without you. Like that kind of yeah. dynamic. It's it's there in the beginning. Support. That kind of yeah. support. Yep. She was very supportive. Uh, and so there's there's a lot of those occasions where she did try. Okay. In the beginning. When Conrad's family talk about this relationship between the two of them, the two teenagers, they indicated that they didn't really know how intense the relationship was because sure. they never saw each other. They're not exactly so, and she's and he's eighteen. They're not grabbing his phone and reading through his messages. Right, because he's it's technically an adult. Yeah. So so in the documentary, mom talks about Conrad's mom talks about like she saw him texting all the time, but yeah. I mean she didn't have a clue how Intense. deep this relationship was and mm-hmm. what the things that they were talking about. And I guess I get that because, like you said, an 18-year-old kid, you're not going to grab his phone. No. And, you know, I get the impression there was some distance between him and his parents at that point in time. Yes, yes. You know, and, and in their mind, he's 18. and He's doing his thing. Yep. There is another thing that we have to throw out here, too. You and I are mental health professionals. Other people might have a mental health background that are listening and think, damn, how do you not? There's, That's what there's I thought obvious, originally. Yeah, there's obvious signs. To two just general people who whose worldview is that they are doing the best that they can and they're just raising their son. And you never know what experiences they have had with this sort of thing or haven't had with this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They may have been 100% oblivious to the fact that their child was suffering or may have misconstrued his suffering for, yeah, he's had a really hard time since our divorce. And this is you know, more so like internalizing mm-hmm. it. These are just behaviors. This is just the way he's acting. He's because, going through a thing. Yeah. And he's a teenager and it's a it's a hard time. We don't want to automatically just go to, I think you're suicidal. Yeah, you're right. And I'm glad you said that. So I, I do take back my... At the beginning, I, I said, how could you not know? And that was my original thought. I'm not going to lie, but I also deal with these things all the time. Right. And it's it's different when you're a parent. Yeah. And I'll even say that in my own circumstance. Like, sometimes there's a distance with your child with things where you may not realize. Right. Like, oh, he's just doing his thing. He's quiet today. They may not confide yes. in you as a parent either. Of course. Yeah, of course not. That You might be the last person that they really want to talk to. So thank frankly, you for correcting but... me because I did kind of, I was going there of like, how did you not know? Well, and that's not, the only reason that I brought that up is just because some, there are some times I have plenty of friends that I realize, like as I'm talking about, they'll ask me about my work or something like that. And then I'll realize their perceptions of the world are so different. I, I really do have some friends who don't understand that child abuse is a daily occurrence right here in our own little small town. They live in such a safe little bubble that they don't, and they've never experienced it and never been in contact with it and don't, you know, realize. So Mm -hmm. it just makes me wonder as we're going through this case, how I don't think that they were purposely neglecting their child and his needs. I think that they were just, and I'm sure they were going through their own things, which makes it even harder. For sure. Just trying to, he's 18, trying to give him his space and help him, you know, he's finding himself. And well, and when it's all texting, you, you know, you have no idea what's going on privately between them. I can see how it would be hard 
for them to not grasp the how deep this relationship yes, because was. They're not reading these. Te- they're not. They're not reading the text, and, and that's all not, it was. They're not a part of the conversation. So if you see your child just sitting on the yeah. couch or whatever texting, I mean mm-hmm. that's a normal thing. You don't know unless you're checking mm-hmm. what those messages are saying. Oh no, kidding! Because I happened to look over at my sixth grader who's twelve and realized his little girlfriend that he has had and. Actually, her mom listens, so she knows exactly who I'm talking about right now. They have been in love, like, Mm. since the beginning of school time. Mm. Okay. And I realized that her name is Baby in his phone. And I was like, "Mm, sir. I'm going to need you to change that. You're 12. Let's put her real name in there. Okay. Yes. So Young love. It's so tender. Stephanie, if you're listening. See what his name is in her yeah. phone. Okay. Get back to us, please. Because it probably says something like my bae or baby or something. Yeah. So Michelle and Conrad continue this texting relationship for almost two years. Wow. This goes on. Isn't that I had no idea. Like that is commitment that to, really is. to this relationship that you essentially do To talking don't. to this person every yeah. day without seeing them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that they talk on the phone a lot, so it's a, a yeah. Lot I was of text. just I was just like picturing text because honestly, their generation doesn't. Yeah, except for FaceTime. My Do kid, they FaceTime? My kids FaceTime all the time. It's become a problem. One time, I was half nude, walked through a room, oh, and my child had his friend on FaceTime on his iPad, and I heard, "Hi, Chanel." Oh gosh! And there, my mom ass was <laughs> just. <laughs> All mom hanging out in the camera, mom, mom, absolutely because it was on his twin bed and and it was propped up against the wall. So oh, literally, he so couldn't you're just walking by and like, he couldn't see my face. It was like boobs down and then like to my knees up. You know what I mean? It's just my midsection because it's on a bed. Oh gosh! And there's my mom butt. Hi, Chanel. Most terrifying sound I, in my. I like how you're. It's your butt. And he's like, hi, Chanel. Right. He knew immediately. I'm the only female in the house. Okay, though. we'll so, chalk it up know. to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so I had some conversations about you do not leave your friends on FaceTime. Mm-hmm. And they, he was going to the bathroom. It's danger zone. My kid was going to the bathroom. That's where oh, he was at. so you walked in, you didn't right. know. I was like, if you're going to leave your kid on, your friend on FaceTime, put it, put the phone or the iPad or whatever down. Face it down. I just walked right through your room. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it could have easily been my dad, but. You happen to anyone. <laughs> I love how you always say you have a dad bod and you have ginormous breasts. <laughs> I know. I think that's why I like saying it so much. It is hilarious. Because I'm so far from being a man. Right, right. Um, but it is it I'm, is enjoyable. I'm way more of a man than you are. <laughs> oh, God. But yes, so oh. I just, they do FaceTime a lot. So I wonder how much they were actually doing that. But it sounds like the police had a lot of text messages to go. A two, lot. Two years two worth years. of text mm-hmm. messages. No thank you to that poor intern. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> they had to pull out all the important information. Yeah. So two years this goes on. Somewhere throughout the course of this texting relationship, things take a turn. So what was once Michelle consoling Conrad, the you need help, please don't do that. Don't, you know, you need to get, seek treatment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so those messages, the supportiveness. they take a turn. Okay. And yeah, this so is the part I don't like. The 
support turns into encouragement for mm-hmm. suicide. And the encouragement turns into, I'm going to say almost a pressure. Not, not almost. It turns into a pressure for him to commit suicide. Mm-mm. And so this was around the 2014 time when you start to see that change happen. Okay. Michelle takes on the mindset almost that it would be a good thing to help Conrad die. I don't like Take that, that sentence in. at all. Yeah, it's a hard, it's hard. There's, you know, this a couple years of things, you know, where she was supportive and then all of a sudden... It's um, just like I've had enough. Yeah. And fine. If and you're going to do it, do it. There's so many, so many ways to look at that. And I kind of added some of this mm-hmm. into the, like after the court, in the court part, because they do, I mean, both sides do such a good job pointing things out. I'm sure. When I was watching the documentary, it, it's like the defense is talking, I'm like, yes, that's true. Right. And the prosecutor talks, I'm like, yes. But that's also that's true. true. Yeah. And then I'm in fetal position. Right. Like, I don't do. know what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. So I mean, I hard, I mean, I though. don't think that it's ever right to because there's this part of me as I encourage I'm, someone. No, it's it's never right, and that's no. the part where that this upsets me so much. But I can't at the same time. I'm able to kind of think about like, can you imagine two years of hearing that Mm-mm. from someone, Mm-mm. and what would you do? I understand. Now. Well, I know what I would do, but I, right. you know, as a I, teenage girl, I I don't know. I don't. I can so see why you as a therapist picked this case. It's very therapy-ish. It is, but it's like you know what is absolutely right and what is absolutely wrong when it comes to these situations. And like you don't ever, Mm -hmm. no matter if it's been two years of you trying to console and say, you know, you're worth, your life is worth living. You don't ever take that take that turn. No. Yeah, ever. You don't ever take that turn in, in this and case. And that's what it, she did. It took okay. a horrible turn. And so. And I know she was struggling with her own things. And she was. She was. And there was some projection there. I'm just going to guess. Mm-hmm. But still. Absolutely. Yeah. Several weeks prior to Conrad successfully taking his own life, there's pages of texts from Michelle asking Conrad pretty much every day if he was going to do it. Oh, my God. Today the day. You said you're going to do it. You keep saying you're going to do it, but you never, but you don't do it. Like, see, that's countless. the part that I remember from reading in yes. media articles. And you see the messages become more pressuring, aggressive as time goes on. So, in the days before Conrad commits suicide, he has a clear plan to do so, and he shared that with Michelle. The details of what he had planned to do: he was going to use a generator, and he was going to siphon the carbon monoxide into his truck through like, I I don't actually know what he used, like a pipe or a tube or something. Right. You know, some um, cylinder, a very, yes, a cylinder like object. And I didn't see the setup. I don't want to. Right. Right. Um, But he had a plan to do this and and a a very distinct plan. And she knew the plan ahead of time. And she she knew the plan. she had the ability to stop it. She went through the plan with him. She talked Uh, about the plan. I was going to say, did she help plan? She definitely assisted in the plan. I don't know if she, you know, specifically came up with ideas right. for him, but like, she definitely knew about them and even offered suggestions mm-hmm, for him. Mm-hmm. That to me is helping plan. Yes. One of the things that hurts my soul about this case is that when you see the two of them talking, and I'm going to read some of the messages here in a minute, there's just this, there's this disregard for his life, mm-hmm. I guess. They talk about it so nonchalantly. Yes. There's messages where she She's like, are you going to do it? Are you on your way? And he's like, 
oh, I haven't laughed yet. Ha ha. And it just hurts me because it's like, did they not realize the permanency of this? Did they not know how serious this was? I think this is where some dehumanizing comes from text messaging. Absolutely. I'm reading these and I'm just like, you are talking about this This boy's life. This person's life. And Mm -hmm. you are talking about it so matter exactly but he's not right there 3d in person mm-hmm. it is just a message being like, oh, sent go over into, the airwaves going to grandma's gonna go back and then do it yeah like it's like it's a chore like it's a like a task for the day and that just i don't know why that part got me so much but it was that just disregard for it's his a, life it's a complete dissonance mm-hmm. so that a disconnect that was that was a struggle for me yeah i can't Believe how casually they're talking about this. Right. Another reason where I really thought this needs to be talked about because this is a problem if kids right. kids these days, you know, I'm not saying they all do that. No, but, but I do think that, that text messaging and social media provides a, a safe distance from people from reality. An emotional distance. It does, which Sometimes. is where when we see the the trolls, you know, you and I talk about like the first time we get a horrible a trolling troll. comment, we have to remember that... This person just feels like a big person behind their keyboard. Mm-hmm. And and I've seen some really horrible stuff on some of our favorite podcasts that, that people get on there and be like, I hate their voices. I'm sorry, but people can't control what their voice sounds like. Oh, yeah. And if I could, it would definitely not be like a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> but here we are. I this can't is what we it. have to work with. Yeah. Doesn't mean I can't create good content, but they do. There's this complete disconnect, and we could do a whole podcast on how horrible social media and text messaging, they've, they've created some good things in the world, but it's also created some really horrible negative Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Maybe we will do that. Yeah, and like you said, it's that emotional distance. I'm not emotionally connected I can't see you in person I can't mm-hmm. touch you it's You're a loaded issue because person to me it's like the emotional distance is there so it's easy to hide behind the screen and say this stuff and yeah. not realize how damaging the effect that you're having on the person on the other end. Right. But then there is that emotional influence too that goes with it because those things that you say they do influence other people. Yeah. So it's like it's a loaded it is. It's a loaded issue, but... So here they are. So here they are. So I am going to read some of the text yeah. because it's just such a big part of, of what happens. So I'm pulling these out of context because there's so many. Like I said, this I is bet, weeks yeah. of, right. of her, right. like, are you going to do this? Is it time? You know, so there's there's many of them. So I'm just pulling a few out. If you are into this case and you didn't already know, they're all, I mean, they're out on the internet so you can find them. Um, But also, I just want to point out the obvious. If he did it, he wouldn't be texting you back, dumbass. Right, right. I think there was a couple of mornings, I think maybe earlier on where she was concerned that he had done it. So she would be like, Conrad, answer me. Mm. Did you, you know, are you there kind of thing? Mm -hmm. So she was, I I think there was some concern for it at first. Mm -hmm. And then that just goes away. So the text I'm going to read right now, these are about eight days before Conrad takes his life. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to refer the, to them as C and M because it's easier mm-hmm. to, as I'm reading these. C, hi, M. Hi, C, what's up? M, just woke up. You? Why do you seem happy? Ha ha. C, because tonight's the night. M, you said that last night would be the night and the night before. C, ha ha, I know, but it has to be tonight. I'll be alone. C, mom and Brian are sleeping over at a friend's house in Rhode Island. Um, so yeah, tonight seems like the perfect night. Um, like 
you have all night to try different things. See, mm. yes, LOL. Um, LOL. Right? Doesn't that just, like, those are the things that I'm, it's hard for me to, to grasp this. I think LOL is just so overused that it's lost all of its meaning. And I questioned several times, like I said, did they realize this was real? Mm-hmm. You know, did they mm-hmm. realize that this was truly. I can see why you think that. You know, yeah. um, do you think tonight really is the night you're going to do it? See, I think um, there's a difference between saying I'm going to try to commit suicide and I'm going to commit suicide. See. Well, I'm going to try. Um, so you don't want it bad enough. You already know you're going to fail because a part of you still wants to fail. Just saying. Ugh. See, yeah. Um, yeah, what? See, it's just hard, Michelle. Um, I know it is. So I'm going to leave it there. So Conrad didn't end up taking his life that day. In the following days leading up to it, again, daily messages of basically that pressure to do it. Yeah. Um, that felt very pressuresome. Doesn't it? Like, okay, you said that last night. And I'm sorry, there's a difference between I'm gonna and I'm going mm-hmm. to. And it, it gets worse. I'm going to read you this um, next one. I don't want it to get worse. I know. It's it's hard. So this was a, a really lengthy message that Michelle sent to Conrad. Okay. I'm going to read it. I think your parents know you're in a really bad place. I'm not saying that they want you to do it, but I honestly feel like they can accept it. They know there's nothing they can do. They've tried helping. Everyone's tried. And there's a point that comes where there isn't anything anyone can do to save you, not even yourself. And you've hit that point, and I think your parents know you've hit that point. You said your mom saw a suicide thing on your computer and she didn't say anything. I think she knows it's on your mind and she's prepared for it. Everyone will be sad, but they will get over it and move on. They won't be in depression. I won't let that happen. They know how sad you are, and they know that you're going to do this and be happy, and I think they will understand and accept it. They will always carry you in their hearts. How dare her? I that I struggled with that one. How dare you speak for his fucking parents? That's where that just horrible manipulation comes in. Now you're saying your family is going to be okay with it. It's I fine. am so disgusted it's, it's dis- by that it entire disgusting. thing. Because mm-hmm. is- up to this point, I was, I was. Wait for it. Oh, God. So I was just going to say up to this point, I'm like, well, she's struggling too. I don't really know. But when you put it black and white like that, that message right there just undid me. Yeah. Oh, I have It's no horrible. But this is the part that's, that's just going to like blow your mind. So Conrad's response to that message. Oh, thank you, Michelle. What? I'm sorry, huh? I'm sorry, my brain just exploded. I like I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh, thank you, Michelle. For what? The last part that they'll carry you in in their hearts. So, yeah, it's like in in but, your very very troubled mind, you think this is a genuine like you think she's being nice she, and helping? I she don't just know. She gave you a compliment? It's so hard for me to grasp that. No. Yep, so, me too. she she responds with this. They will move on for you because they know that's what you would have wanted. They know you wouldn't want them to be sad and depressed and angry and guilty. They know you want them to live their lives and be happy. So they will do that for you. You're right. You need to stop thinking about this and just do it because. Oh my God. Just do it because overturning always kills overthinking. See. Yeah, it does. I've been thinking about it for too long. Um, Always smile. And yeah, you just have to do it. You have everything you need. There's no way you can fail. Tonight is the night. It's it's now or never. Oh, my God. So, in other words, she's just tired of talking to him and wants him to go away. 
that's where it's just like, how did it get what to this the this fuck point? We're gonna reflect on it. We are. We're gonna reflect. I'm on I'm not this. gonna have nice things to say. I know it's so hard for me. It is so hard. You know, when we covered child killer cases, I said right from the get go, this will be one where we don't make fun of the perpetrators, because you know that's kind of our mo. Mm-hmm. Like eh, when you kill someone. Mm-hmm. We make fun of you. Glo- gloves are off. I'm telling you with these messages. Fuck this, that I I can't. I mean, those are words right out of her own finger tri- mm-hmm. tips. Finger those tips. Are, those are <laughs> those are words right out of her own finger tips. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Could we you need laughed. Holy shit! If finger said tits, <laughs> what the That's world so would be like? <laughs> that would be so creepy. <laughs> okay, so. So, uh, as you know, these messages go on. These are snippets of the big picture. Um, yeah. She, there's there's parts where she's almost angry that he because has, he's hasn't not done doing it. Because mm-hmm. she's told him to, and he hasn't. Yeah. Some time goes on. So, on the day of July 12th, Michelle again asks Conrad if he's going to kill himself. So, I'm just I'm going to read just a few more. July 12th, it's sunny. Summer breeze. <laughs> it makes you feel fine. <laughs> This is just before he takes his life. This is the, I'm going to assume, like, the morning of July 12th. I didn't really see time frames, but. Um, are you going to do it today? See. Yes. Um, like, in the daytime? See. Should I? Um, yeah, it's less suspicious. You won't think about it as much, and you'll get it over with instead of waiting until tonight. Mm-hmm. See. Yeah, then I will. Like, where? Like. Like, I could go in any enclosed area. Um, Go in your truck and drive in a parking lot somewhere to a park or something. Do it, like, early. Do it now, like, early. This bitch. Do it now? (laughs) See. Like, why am I so hesitant lately? Like, two weeks ago, I was willing to try everything, and now I'm worse, really bad. And I'm, LOL, not following through. It's eating me inside. Oh, honey, because you don't want to. And again, those, those, he's reasoning, he's trying to. His parents have seen these messages. Can you imagine? No. My heart for them. Mm-hmm. I know. And those, those are the moments that are so hard too, because there's that hesitation. Yes, because he doesn't want to do it. And if someone knew what to look for or that empathy, yep. empathy to have, mm-hmm. like that's a window for you. To save them. To save them. Mm-hmm. And so that's so hard when you'll see those moments where he's going back and forth and she had her opening to say like i don't think you should be doing this mm-hmm. and instead was like be mm-hmm. a fucking man and do it so this was her response to that um you're so hesitant because you keep overthinking and keep pushing it off you just need to do it conrad <laughs> the more you push it off the more it will eat at you you're ready and prepared all you have to do is turn the generator on and you will be free and happy no more pushing it off no more waiting see you're right okay i'm gonna do it today um, you promise? See, I promise, babe. I have to now. Oh. Um, like right now? See, where do I go? Um, and you can't break a promise and just go into a quiet parking lot or something. Oh my God. Literally made him promise he would take his own life. Yep. So she spends this entire day trying to convince him to do it. She even takes a, a break to go kayaking. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So she's she's like, oh, I'm gonna go kayaking and gotta get my outdoorsy in. Yep, living her best life, and so then she kind of comes back. Go enjoy the wilderness mm-hmm. while you contemplate taking your life. Comes back, kind of starts right back into those messages. 
she even goes into the details of what he should do. At one point, there's a part where he's concerned about someone else getting the carbon monoxide when they find him. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's worried about other people. Mm-hmm. And she suggests Aww. that he, I know. So he's. she says, well, just put a sign up on the window that says carbon danger carbon monoxide. And he's like, yeah, but then somebody will see it and maybe stop me. Oh, holy shit. I know. Again, just talking about the talking about ending your life in such detail. It's I can see why you were questioning whether or not they understood the permanence of yes. what the hell they were talking about. It when really, their brains are not fully developed. Mm-hmm. And but I am sorry, I'm sticking by that Michelle is a heinous bitch. Those messages are unacceptable. They're horrible. They are horrible. There's there's no excuse for that and I'm gonna read just a few more. I don't know if I can handle a few more. It's hard. These are the last ones. And now that I've seen pictures of her and her eyebrows, I just don't know that I can handle it Aren't all. Aren't they offensive? Her eyebrows are offensive. Look it up, people. They really are. We'll post are. them, but still. We're going to p- post the worst pictures. Yeah, we are. She and there are some bad ones. Flattering pictures. Never. I'm not sure you could find an angle that's flattering for her, but whatever. It, it will be hard. <laughs> so these are from the day that he dies. Okay. Okay. Um, are you going to do it now? See, I just don't know how to leave them, you know? Um, you say you're going to go to the store or something? See, like, I want them to know that I love them. Um, they know. That's that's one thing they definitely know. You're overthinking. See, I know I'm overthinking. I've been thinking for a while now. Um, I know. You just have to do it like you said. Are you going to do it now? See, I still haven't yet left yet. Ha ha. <sighs> um, why? See, leaving now. M, okay, you can do this. <gasps> C, okay, I'm almost there. So that's like, that's leading up to, to him. You can do this? The encouragement. Absolutely. Does that not There's no you? denying that she was completely encouraging him to take his own life. So Conrad decides to find an empty parking lot where he can fully commit suicide. He pulls up into a back parking lot of a Kmart and Michelle is you know, walking him through this entire process. And it's, it sounds like he's giving like a play by play of what he's doing. Can you imagine? No. Walking someone through this. It's hard for me to even talk about it. It really is. She's just on the other end of her little fucking iPhone. Just, you got this. So at one point, the two of them end up talking on the phone while Conrad is. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) This is so, it's just so, it's just so hard to grasp that it somebody is. could do this. So they talk on the phone for about 45 minutes okay. while he's in the process of ending his life. The okay. car- so he's carbon got the monoxide. carbon monoxide going. So at some point he gets scared because it's actually working. He's dying. Yeah. And so he gets scared and he exits the vehicle. And she tells him to get back in. <gasps> yeah. She tells him to get back in. Please tell me that there's justice at the end of this case. <sighs> Otherwise, we'll we might not about that. be able to record anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it might it might be over. Oh my god, she tells she him tells to get him back to in. Get... He got out. Yeah, his parents know that he got out. Mm-hmm. Yes, he he got back out. He was having second thoughts. Oh, Another honey. moment she could have. Yes, I do believe yeah. there were several. And <laughs> come at me, people. I I believe wholeheartedly. That he would still be alive yep. if she had not I agree to. persuaded him so much. Yep. 
And we'll we'll talk about that. But yeah, I'm sorry because he got out. He got he out. Was scared when he felt he the was scared before he, he did got it. Out right. You, you yeah. hear him talking sorry. about his family mm-hmm. and no. She's like, just do it. You're scared, you know. But he there was those pieces where he was like, I don't know how to leave my family and yeah, you know. of course, and that that innate survival instinct mm-hmm. that we are all born with. Mm-hmm. Conrad Roy ended his life on July thirteenth, two thousand fourteen. He died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Mm-hmm. Michelle Carter later told a friend, I'm not sure how much of a friend this was, mind you. Right. Um, Air quote friend. She said the, she shared the following statement. I could have stopped it. I was on the phone with him and he got out of the car because it was working and he got scared. And I fucking told him to get back in. She also goes on to indicate that she heard him dying and she wishes that she would have gotten help for him. Too little to wait, bitch. That part made me so mad. Like, I have no words for it. No, and and I'm sorry. Are you seeking solace? Are you seeking empathy from your friend? And you do, especially in the the court hearing, kind of get a sense of how disturbed she was. Just how many lies and different sides of the story she tried to play. Yeah. And I can't wait to get to those parts. And they had it all in text message. (laughs) Yes, all of it was text and not only to... Fuck off, dickhole. Yeah, she is a dickhole. Mm -hmm. She kind of looks like one. She does. (laughs) Seriously. Like, you know how weird it is when it, like, opens up a little bit? That's what she looks like. (laughs) An open dickhole. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, Those eyebrows. Fuck. Oh, they're bad. So a missing persons report was filed for Conrad when he didn't come home the next day. His mother said that this just wasn't something he would do. Yeah. So she knew right away that something was going on. Yeah. Conrad's mother talks about in the documentary that she knew. This makes me, it's so hard. It's okay, we'll go um, through it. She said that she felt Conrad pass through her. Oh, my like God. Like, she knew that something that had happened. Something bad had happened. We hear that all the time. We do. With cases. We M- do. Moms know. Parents know. Parents know. They know. And she she knew something had Sorry, happened. Sorry, but literally, you are from our bodies. Mm-hmm. And not just, not just moms, where we are connected to our children for 40 weeks, but also, we're from dad's bodies. You can't tell me that that doesn't come with a, it's a physiological connection. I'm sorry, I just thought, when you come from dad's balls, <laughs> I think I just needed to, la- to cope yes. with my emotion. Yes, that part sure. always gets me. Like, that's I what can, I was I typing. Can, I'm like, when okay. you shoot out of your dad's scrotum, <laughs> you are forever bonded with him. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, my goodness. Okay. When the police arrive at the scene of Conrad's death, they find his body lifeless inside of his black pickup truck. Conrad's father arrived at the scene Mm-mm. along with a family friend. I can't Mm-mm. imagine. Mm-mm. I can't. Mom said she did not go to the scene because Thank if God. she would have seen no. his body, Mm-mm. she said she never would have left. I, I get it. Yeah. I don't know that I could nope. either. It was clear that there, it was a suicide when they arrived sure. from right. from what the scene looked like. Conrad's phone was found in his truck. It was dead at the time. And there was actually some debate at the scene as to whether they should even take the phone because it was clearly a suicide that had happened. Right. But in the end, police detectives Scott Gordon and Glenn Cutmore, who investigated this case, Mm -hmm. they ultimately wanted to know why an 18-year-old boy would want to kill himself. That seemed to have lots of things going for him. It amazes me that that one decision made the entire difference. 
Because if good they wouldn't have job, you guys. Absolutely. If they wouldn't have taken that yeah. phone, because this would have been happened. an easy case for them to wrap up mm-hmm. and not do their due suicide. We're and, done. Yep, we're done. Wrap it up. They are freaking amazing. Yep. Good job. So they did charge the phone, mm-hmm. and upon opening it, there was one thread from the conversation from Michelle and, and Conrad that had been going on, mm-hmm. and so one of the t- the detectives said that it was pretty clear right away. Oh, I'm sure that Absolutely. it was just from the snippets you read to us. Right, it's obvious. So, very deeply concerning right from the get go. The police obtained a search warrant for Michelle's phone. And they arrive at her school to talk to her on October 2nd of 2014. So from July to October. Yeah. Okay. So yep. there was a little. I know. Those things take time. Yep. A little mm-hmm. time that passed. They do get that warrant and they go to her school to question her. And in the recording, she doesn't even really sound remorseful at all. Oh, like of course When not. she's talking to them. After a few minutes, the detectives were like, do you have your phone? And so she does have it with her, and they're like, is, is there a password? And she's like, yeah, you know, and opens it for them. And they're like, yeah, we're taking this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here it is. She's yeah. like, you, you're taking my phone? And they're like, yeah. Yep. That's what we said. Mm-hmm. So she hands her phone over to the police that day. She doesn't have a choice. Right, but, exactly. So And they hand her a card for a good waxing. Yes. <laughs> Because damn those Here's eyebrows. One one free wax. Thing. Yeah. In the HBO documentary, I Love You Now Die, mm-hmm. that, that I watched on this case, the detectives talk about printing thousands of texts. I oh, mean, I'm we're sure. talking two, two years. Two years. So texts, chats, calls, you know, everything. And so each of these two detectives, they take the pages home and they're, they're reviewing them mm-hmm. and they're going through all of this stuff. And so during the interview, one of the, the detectives said that they both came back that next day or however many days and they both at literally the same time were like he would still be alive if yep. it was not for her. Yep. Like they both had that same moment at the same time. Yep. So they go ahead and they contact the DA's office and on February 5th of 2015 the grand jury returns an indictment for involuntary manslaughter for Michelle Carter. Mm. She was arrested that day. She was booked and then she was released on bail of for $2,500. Yeah. She was also ordered to have no internet access other than for school, no access to social media, and no text with anyone other than her parents. Yeah, because you're a danger. Right. Absolutely. Because you could do this to somebody else. That probably was like the worst punishment of uh, all right, right, right. for her. Mm-hmm. Um, Where will I post my selfies and my horrible eyebrows? Yeah. Who's going to look at me now? Yeah. So when I first started looking into this case, I noticed that... It takes quite a while for the trial. There's like three years that pass before this trial. Oh, my trial. God. I didn't realize that. I'm like, what are you, Phil Spector? Yes. <laughs> right. Like, Where are you getting what? your millions in your pull? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was questioning, like, why did this take so long? Well, so the reason for this is that the defense made countless requests and created quite a few delays mm-hmm. in this case. Okay, playing games. Yes. They filed a motion to get the case dismissed. That was denied. Sure. They filed a motion to get the case moved out of Bristol County because the the county's DA was a third cousin to Conrad Roy. Okay. But he did recuse himself from the case. Oh, yeah. Um, All right. So, yeah, so he wasn't handling it. So, mm-hmm. request denied. Yep. The case continues to be delayed because the defense appealed the denial 
made by the judge. Good God. <laughs> so they take that to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And then they deny it. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then oh the judge God. actually wanted to start the trial after all of that um, in December of 2016. But he had 22 defense motions and a motion to suppress the case that he had to review Oh, my first. gosh. Yeah. So, and the, the motion to suppress was they wanted the statements made by Michelle Carter to the police taken out, basically to not be used against her. Mm-hmm. Denied. Oh, good. So, finally, finally, June 5th of 2017 is when the trial actually started. Holy shit. As we mentioned at the beginning, this case had a lot of media yeah. attention. This poor family that whole freaking time. Oh, I know. Years of waiting, mm-hmm. it, that had to have been so difficult. So there was a lot of media on the scene when Michelle arrived. And one of the reporters that was there recalled her arrival and said it was almost like a celebrity status arrival. Why does that not surprise me? He said about Michelle, she was blonde, she was tan, and she looked like she knew she was going to be photographed that day. So please tell me she got she did something with those eyebrows. I would like to tell you she did, but they are I don't, still... I was going to say, I think I saw pictures from the trial. They're still mm. screaming at us through the trial. If that is professionally done, then shit, I'd hate to see what happened, what the before picture was. That's a case where you do need the true friends to tell you mm-hmm. that your and eyebrows she suck. She didn't have She didn't any, have them. Obviously. That's, when you see people with horrible eyebrows, it's a red flag. You know they don't have true friends. Yeah, because true friends... A true friend would be like, girlfriend. Yeah. Let we got to talk you. about mm-hmm. those. Michelle waived her right to a jury trial. Um, so oh, okay. she was she left the fate entirely to the judge, judge on this. Yeah. Probably a smarter move. I, I do kind of get the reasoning because yeah. the defense kind of talked about this case was high profile. You've got yep. people with all kinds of emotions about it. Absolutely. It's best and to when just... you hear those text messages, there's not a jury that's going to find any empathy Absolutely. for her. So she she does waive that right. The prosecution starts out right away accusing Michelle of being very a very needy person. Mm-hmm. They they really highlight that she craved attention and she basically used Conrad as a pawn. Yeah. And they've had 3 years to set this Yes. Case Plan up. for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the defense argues that Conrad was suicidal for years prior, and he was. Yeah. Um, they also argue that even though she encouraged Conrad via text to take his own life, she wasn't physically there. That there was a difference between a text saying, get back in the car, versus being physically present and telling him to get back in the vehicle or I'll make you do it. And they said, you know, they tried to argue that that would push something over the line for manslaughter but her not actually being there to make him getting get back into the car, he chose to do that. Didn't, so again, didn't, this is we're pulling at threads. Yes, in other words, and part of but me I'm, is like, I get it. I do, I do. But at the same time, their entire basis of their relationship had been text message. Mm-hmm. Text messages from her held a lot of weight to him emotionally. Absolutely. And another thing that was brought up too is not only did we have this this persuasion, we also had. There was love involved in this, too. Yeah. Like, there was messages of love. Even in these texts, if you mm-hmm. read through them, yeah. there's there's parts where they'll, they'll just say, I love you. I love you, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I love you so much. Yeah. Even through all of this. Right. So there's this, like, twist of love Do in this. Do it. Your family will move mm-hmm. on and be fine. I love you, baby. Good night. And, yes. And yeah. not, not once 
did I see in any of this that he ever questions, like, why do you want me to do this so bad? Never. Okay. He never questions, like, why are you so adamant or disputes anything that she says. It's just, yeah, go, go with it. Yeah. The prosecution focused on that need of Michelle to be loved, to be accepted, and she didn't have that. Yeah. You know, as I was listening to things, it was really apparent that she was very alone and she felt alone mm-hmm. in her life. And so I, I really feel like for her, this must have been the ultimate insult. But the prosecution brings in these girls that mm-hmm. were her friends. Uh-huh. Air quote friends. To testify. Yeah. And they, drive home the point of her neediness. Yes. And they ask the girls, were you friends with Michelle and most of the response was along the lines of, we were on, she did sports, so it's like we were on a team together. We yeah. were on, did you hang out with her outside of school? No. We were no. acquaintances. Did she ask? And and they would say like, yeah, she she asked all the time, but we didn't. So it really kind of was like, that had oh. to have been insulting to yeah, her. Yeah, I bet. Good. But like, these were not your friends. No, right. They, they were annoyed by your text mm-hmm. messages to hang out. Also, sounds like they had good instincts. Yeah, I, I mean, think honestly, that, that is not somebody that I would want my daughter hanging out with. I think that that emotional struggle maybe showed through. And if you're in a healthy state, that's probably not it turned them off. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's what happened. The prosecution stated that Michelle needed to get attention in some other way since these friends, they, they wouldn't give her that. They wouldn't yeah. accept her the way that she wanted them to. So that she had every intention of convincing Conrad to kill himself. And this is kind of why, their explanation. There was evidence that two days before Conrad's suicide, Michelle did a, what the prosecution refers to as a dry run of texting to some of these girls. And she told them that Conrad had gone missing, which was not true. So the girls offered her comfort. They were concerned Oh, they were asking if Conrad was okay. Did they find him? So she was getting. I see where this is going. She was getting that attention that she hadn't been able yeah, to get she before. Was craving. Mm-hmm. So when she experiences this, so when she experiences this, that feeling of acceptance and inclusion, there's almost this fantasy of playing the role of this grieving girlfriend. Yes. Yep. Because and it's getting her what get, she wants. Yeah, I'll get to be part of the yep. group. Holy shit. So, And they believe that because of this reason, she felt like she had to follow through with this. I already said he was missing. I've indicated right. he's, you know, he's not well. There's other yep. texts saying that he's suicidal. And these girls They're are, eating it up and they're giving me intention. I'm so sorry. They're turn- consoling yes. her. And she's loving this. Yes. Oh, I hate it makes this. It, I know. It's so... It, it, the, these things make it even harder, well, you know. The, the mental, uh, it's a mental fuck is the only thing that I can, it's like mental fuckery. It is so much fuckery. It's, it's, it is, and it's so hard to grasp. Mm-hmm. So there's even a twist, and I, I forgot to put it into my notes, but I, something that I saw in the documentary. There's even this twist that, you know, I'm sure people dissected this case quite a bit in the text and everything, but... So Michelle was actually really obsessed with Glee at the time. The uh-huh. show. I remember. Yes. And, and the character committed suicide. The character, yes. I mean, not his character, the real he person. He really did. So there is an episode where they his character dies. Yes. Because he had actually died in I real life. Glee. Mm-hmm. See, I never had seen it. But yes. So 
she would, there's texts, they, they show these texts where she would quote things from the show Stop to it. Conrad. Like, there's a part, and I don't, I should have wrote them down, but there's there's one where something about, like, I, I'm just so scared to lose you, but it was it was a quote from the show. Yes. And so she had sent that to him. So oh my God. there's speculation. I don't know that this came up in the trial necessarily. Maybe it did, but there's speculation that this played into her fantasy too of yep. that grieving girlfriend. Yeah. Yep. Because and on the show just, and she's living in yes. the yep. show. So mm-hmm. I really do feel like there was some part of this that did become almost glamorous to her. The attention. Yes. I'm the grieving, I'm, you know, the grieving mm-hmm. girlfriend that lost her boyfriend. Just like mm-hmm. this show that I love on TV. Yep. And so there was even, there's even quotes that she made when the character, and I don't remember her name, the main character, mm-hmm. is on other shows talking about the loss of mm-hmm. the other, the guy that overdosed and, and died. And she was like quoting those things no. to friends. Oh my so God. It's a really eerie twist. That it's a is really creepy. eerie twist. And and you can't help and but wonder. Goes to show how difficult it is for people to separate fantasy from reality. Absolutely. So some part of this to me, it seems like this was glamorizing, mm-hmm. like seeing the show, getting the attention. Like she got something from his death. Yeah. So yep. yes, Ab- there was a benefit from you her. You are for her. Absolutely, there was. So after Conrad's death, the girls that she was friends with came to visit her, and they were giving her. The attention. The attention. And so the girls were asked during the trial if they would have done this in normal circumstances with Michelle Carter to actually go visit her. Yeah. And they said no. Yeah. They felt bad for her and they felt concerned after she had lost Conrad. The day after Conrad's death, Michelle texted one of the girls saying, can we do something tonight to get my mind off of it? Oh. So the very next day she's trying to get that attention to hang out and the things she wants. In the days following his death, there were numerous Facebook posts seeking the attention. Yep. She missed him, pictures, which brought on even more texts, more calls, more visits from yep. classmates. There was also this event that Michelle had organized. It was called Homers for Conrad. It was about a month after he had died. It was like a softball or baseball tournament mm-hmm. that she had organized. And it was supposed to be in honor of Conrad and to raise awareness for mental health issues. It sounds like a great thing, right? Yeah, under normal circumstances. Under normal circumstances. There was also a text brought up in court that was to one of the girls and from Michelle, and it said, hey, I just put the homers for Conrad on Facebook. I'm like, famous now, haha. Check it out. Oh, my God. Another student, one of the- I feel like the, that's all I've said in the last 40 minutes of this podcast is me just constantly going, oh, oh God. my God. <laughs> well, that's about all you can say on some of this. So another student, one of the baseball players on the one of the teams mm-hmm. for this tournament, he was questioned on the stand, and he stated that he was confused as to why this event was being held in her hometown yeah. versus Conrad's, where all of his family and friends could have participated. Right. right. He stated that Michelle was adamant that the tournament be held in her hometown and that she would get all of the credit for it. Mm-hmm. During the tournament, there are numerous pictures, and they do show these pictures on um, the documentary, of her... With friends that came out, she's posing, smiling. She wanted a picture with the team. So she got a picture with, like, one of the baseball teams. So the grieving girlfriend was getting all of this attention that she 
so this twists my stomach this makes me sick Mm -hmm. this might be some of the sickest stuff we've ever covered and we've covered otis tool and toolbox killers right this is just such psychological warfare you know it is warfare it's so bad so the prosecution they did a pretty good job of portraying michelle as a huge piece of shit. Oh, good. And so the world revolted. If I could remember what sound effect is our clapping on our little soundboard here, I would hit it right now. I, oh, you know, I wish we'd. Obviously, you have this image of a girl that k- helped kill someone so she could get popular. The messages came out. Like, people lost their shit. They were so good. mad. Some of the comments I read about her. Oh, yeah, you're famous horrible. now, bitch. Yep. And ironically, how this twisted, you know, yes. that need to be popular, and now mm-hmm. she's hated. Yep. And people were saying horrible things about her. Sure, sure. Have um, you seen her picture? Lots I of, get it. Yeah, lots of those, too, but just verbal abuse yes. towards Michelle. One of the persons interviewed in the documentary um, referred to her as a 90210 piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to note that. I was like, that is creative, ma'am. That is creative. I want to talk to that person. (laughs) You are our people. You are a 90210 piece of shit. So, yeah, Yeah. I was like, that. I'm going to write that one down. Yep. Love it. Credit to to that woman that they had interviewed. We have mercy for people like It's hard to. Michelle, sorry. When you hear this stuff, it is hard. I don't care if you are an 18-year-old girl, like. And you and fucking knew better. The only thing I can say, is, I said it before, is, you know, I, I don't know what it would be like to hear someone say that every day for two years. I don't know, but I can't. No, but I know you well enough to know that you would never tell them to get back in the truck. I would never, ever or be Or constantly an ask them, are you going to do it tonight? You kept saying, you said you are going to do it last night. And, and that's where it just no. becomes so heartless and, and cruel. And going oh. back to a bit of the argument from the defense. So they did have a, a doctor that was considered like an expert on adolescence come sure. in and testify and he really tried to argue that Michelle was not in her appropriate mental state I don't disagree with that but because of the medication she had that med change mm-hmm. and that she was actually you know not in her right state to feel proper emotions okay and she wasn't in a good mental state to be able to support him or think rationally sure and and I, I don't disagree with that but it's hmm. her behaviors afterwards too that still have me concerned yes yeah where she's happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and You've got this. Yeah. So this trial lasted until June 13th, which is my birthday. Oh. Um, so I'm not, like, happy about loving that. About loving that. Both sides give their closing arguments. And in the end, juvenile court judge Lawrence Manas found Michelle Carter guilty of manslaughter and sentenced her to 2.5 years in prison. Um, hold on. Let that sink in. Hold on. Because there's more. Did you just say 2.5 years? As in like two and a half years? Like two and a half years in prison. Like 30 months. Mm -hmm. So with the help of her attorney, big surprise, she did try to appeal this and she was denied. For two and a half years? So She she was upset about two and a half years? Mm -hmm. So they tried to appeal it. She did not win and she was sent to the Bristol County House of Correction. So in the judge's final ruling, it wasn't the series of texts that confirmed his decision as disturbing as as they are. It was the call exchanged 
by Michelle and Conrad in which she told him to get back in the truck after he had mm-hmm. exited. And he was clearly having second thoughts. Mm-hmm. It was clear he was scared. It was clear that he was second guessing that maybe he didn't want to die. And instead of offering him help, she told him to get back in. Or calling help for him. Mm-hmm. He also noted that Con- that she knew Conrad Roy intended to commit suicide for quite some time. And she did nothing to notify the family or right. authorities. Right. I was wondering if that would get pointed out. Mm-hmm. Two so, and a half years. Adding to that, Michelle served a total of 15 months. I knew you were going to say that. Of her sentence. She was released early for good behavior on January 23rd, I believe, of 2020. Um, it was just recently. According to a spokesperson for the Bristol County Sheriff's Office, Michelle was, an, was a model inmate. She had a job inside the jail. She was polite to all the staff and volunteers, and they had no issues with her whatsoever. Yeah, why not? They were giving her attention. She was going to be polite, like, you know. Yep. And compared to some of that the trolls that roll up into the prison, she probably sure. was She probably good. was, and it means nothing to me. I still think she's a heinous individual that needs to do something about those fucking eyebrows. That sentencing is pretty hard to to grasp yep. for what she did. And she's yep. free. Um, and his parents have to live with that. Yes. So you have pissed me off I know, tonight, it's Madam. Such a such a case. It's such a doozy. And I knew about it. Like I said, I followed it, but I didn't know the depths of this. No, so and I had no idea no. about her Peasley little sentence. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I would have thought at least five, at least yeah, something. I'm in shock right now. I think. I mean, I get it that it wasn't the text messages. But when you see them and how much persuasion yeah, there was, I still day think after they day. needed to have some more weight. Absolutely. I mean, you have somebody that has been in a vulnerable state for years. Yeah. Serious mental illness. Yeah. And you have somebody she, just and honestly, allowing them with these texts. She had years to reach out to his family, even and say, and send him screenshots. Mm hmm. Here's what your son is going through. There was even a point after he had passed, they had him cremated, and she had asked if she could have some of the ashes, which was what the family said, like, really weird to them that that she had asked. And I get it. And at that that point, they didn't know, right, that she was, yeah. Yeah, this was before everything unfolded, because there was, like, that Mm -hmm. month. There was, yeah. That they didn't know. Before they knew what was going on. And so she was, she had reached out to his mom a couple times and, like, you know, just supportive. And, you know, I wish I could have helped him. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah. Yep. You only had every single day for two years. To help him. Mm-hmm. That is disgusting. It, I am it? totally disgusted by this case. If you need to shower after this, I understand. Uh, for sure. I, I might. I absolutely do. And I just, between the, the cushy sentence, mm-hmm. the severity of what she did, but also the senselessness, there were so many chances for her to save him and or to help him, mm-hmm. shall I say. And I firmly believe that he would still be here today if it weren't for her. When and. You- how is that any different than the day that you meet a murderer, someone that that holds the knife and takes your life? When you read like, those messages, at the end of the day, if he hadn't have been with you, he would still be here. So that is no different than just grabbing, you know, being a person who grabs a knife and puts it through someone's heart. Like yeah. at the end of the day, had I never come into contact with that person, I'd still be alive. So, right? You see what I'm saying? Like I, I do. It's ugh. it's so hard. It's icky. So this was the first case that someone was convicted. Of manslaughter involving text messages. Yeah, I bet. Based on the words that yeah. were used. So let's start making some harsher laws about it. Yes. And so that's actually what I was 
getting at. Oh, okay. um, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're we're on the same here. page here. <laughs> so Conrad's family, I think it was primarily his mother from, from what I read. Um, and if there was others involved, I, I just didn't see that. But they've been fighting to pass this bill called Conrad's Law mm-hmm. that would make it officially illegal for someone to coerce a vulnerable person into suicide, mm-hmm. like what happened to their son. Yes. So that would make it punishable by law. Because this is the only right. case that, you know, it's this had actually happened. So well happened. documented like this to be able to prove it. So as far as I know, and if there is other info, please let me know. But I don't think the bill has passed yet. Yeah. yeah. Well, probably not with the COVID. Yeah. And everything. The yeah. most that I could find was um, there was a article last year that said it was still in the works. They're, like, they're still fighting yeah. for it. And it sounded... Like, they were optimistic, but it hasn't passed yet. Why the fuck does it take horrible things to happen to people and then cushy sentences Mm -hmm. before we can make laws about stuff that it's just common sense? Common sense says that she should be punished. And, you know, I I feel like this is such a reasonable bill to pass because how many cases of kids, young kids committing suicide because of Online bullying yep. or messages, like yep. those things are, they're hurtful and they yep. are influential. It's, there. it's a real part of our society. Mm-hmm. So get with the times, ditch your ancient laws and start making some that make sense for our world that we live in today. Do you know in the county that we live in, there is still, it is still illegal to have your lantern on past midnight? Really? <laughs> It's still in force. I am going to so, go home and I'm going to put mine outside. Turn that lantern off, Amber, after midnight. I, it's I'm going to leave it on all the night. horses. <laughs> Just to rebel. Like, shit like that. Like, dispel that stuff. Get rid of it. Get and, some uh, meaningful and, laws. Yes, and make our laws more relevant to the situation that society is in today. Texting and online bullying, that's where we're at. It's not going away. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know that I now need the biggest brain bath that you have. This, this is a good case, brain bath. Your case effed me up tonight. Isn't it so yeah. hard to hear all of so that? So you better cleanse me good. Get every crevice. So actually, I didn't find this brain bath. This brain bath found me. <laughs> okay. Um, and I do have to give Heather some cred okay. because she actually sent this to me and was Perfect. like, how about a brain bath? And we I was love like. love it when listeners do that. Absolutely a brain bath. So the title of this article is McDonald's Robber Demands Chicken Nuggets Has to Accept Breakfast Food Because It Was Still Too Early. Oh. <laughs> it gets me every time. Oh, you no. know they aren't serving nuggets uh-uh. before 11. They are not. It we, is, have tri- we have tried. Sure have. It's 1035. It is still a sausage McMuffin and for you. they don't back down. The hell no. My they son don't. loves some chicken nuggets. Uh-huh. And we have tried before, like on early trips, because yep. he wanted those instead of breakfast. Yeah. Not having it. Nope. Nope. We are not. They don't we, care who you are. We're not. <laughs> Even if you're robbing the store. That's right. You can be a burglar, but you're still going to get stuck with a sausage McMuffin. And he does look so disappointed <laughs> in his mugshot. Like, so, I still want the McNuggets. He said, so the article says, a man has been jailed for robbing a McDonald's in England and making off with not only some cash, but also food. Unfortunately for him, not only did he get caught, but he also wasn't able to get the meal he was hoping for at the time of the robbery. (laughs) He never got his nuggies. According to the news outlet, Batten claimed, and I don't know if I said his name, but we'll just call him Batten. 
Batten claimed to have a gun and demanded money from the register and forced a manager to give him access to the store's safe. On his way out, Batten reportedly demanded some fast food franchise's famous chicken nuggets. Unfortunately for him, it was still too early in the day and the restaurant was only serving items from the breakfast menu. Apparently, he was unwilling to wait for some nuggets to be cooked, so Batten made off with a double sausage (laughs) McMuffin instead. A double sausage McMuffin. Make it a double. They they made it special for him. This poor guy. It is. He just wanted his nuggies. I I picture him like... Like, maybe in a mask with his gun, like, yeah. walking out, and then he walks back, and he's like, can I get a 12-piece? And get, Yeah. Wait, wait. Make it a 20. Yeah. 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 <laughs> make need, it worth my time. Hold on. Yeah. However, Extra barbecue and make it snappy. I don't blame him for not wanting to wait for those to be cooked, because have you ever been told to pull forward oh, to wait gosh, for chicken to time. be cooked at a fast food restaurant? Yeah. You're, wait, you're waiting a while. You're waiting 20 minutes tops. Mm-hmm. For Which sure. I appreciate that you're not giving me some salmonella. Yeah. Thank oh, you. Oh, yes. I'm grateful. But, you know, it's not exactly fast. So I get why he's like, just make it a double make, sausage. Yeah, I'll take, I'll, it, I'll take the double sausage McMuffin. Yeah. But I'm super disappointed I didn't get my nuggets. Yeah, I'm I'm taking my money and I'm leaving. Yes, I'm right. I'm, I'm taking your money and I'm yeah. leaving. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was a good one. That was so a good thank one. thank you, Heather. Yeah, yeah. Good job. And I... I mean, I empathize. I'm not saying I agree with what he did, but I empathize I with his anger. Did I show you his? Um, no, but I want to see. You this need to man see. He's disappointed. They wanted the twenty piece. Doesn't he look like he's got like sausage? I instead. only got double sausage. Oh, he's sad. He's well groomed, but he is the only mugshot I've seen that was more sad than this. Was the guy that he didn't get his beer? He called nine one one, and he's like, yeah, oh. hmm. yeah. That's right. Remember that guy? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Does look super sad. sad. He doesn't look like a you know total waste of society space. He, he just, doesn't. He just he needs needed some, some money choices. and some nugs. Yeah, I, me too, I, man. I can't blame a guy. Me neither. I'm. That's actually my current state on a Friday night after having a glass of wine. I want some nuggets, right? And I could always use some money. So yeah, yeah for sure, I get it. So there, well, there you have it. Thank you for I that. I hope that did cleanse because this case was heavy. That was, that was, that was, that one, that case messed me up a little bit. All right, guys. Well, we hope that you keep it curious as always. Follow us on social media. Write us if you have a case suggestion, crimecurious at yahoo.com. Or a brain bath suggestion because I am just loving them. Or I'm going to throw this out there. Let's start taking emails for like your most embarrassing story or your funniest story. Let us know if we can use your name. Yeah. We We can use those. That would be funny. Name or no name. Even if you don't want the name mentioned, we'll take the story. Sure, sure. So I would love to to get those out there for you. I have a couple stories that I might just be like, this person wrote in. My friend wrote in. (laughs) Uh Coming from a friend today. I have a really great story about a a person beating their mom with a dildo. So yeah. Stay tuned. That'll make it on here someday. Anyway. um, (laughs) (laughs) To be continued. This has been a spicy episode. I like it. Yes, I like our Friday night recordings. Yes. So, all right, guys, until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Well, we won't. We actually don't get to physically see you, but unless you comment on social media, then we'll see you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye, Bye. guys. Look at you and your sexy back. Bye. Bye. (laughs)